32 football podcast um today we are going to be joined again by a familiar face and a familiar voice um to many um so today i've been joined by nelson natumba um you may remember nelson from our north london derby special podcast that we did earlier on in the season previewing um that particular game um so nelson unfortunately for you, I'm going to say on this one, um, especially with recent events, you are an Arsenal fan. Um, for those that didn't watch that particular podcast, um, so how long has your association been with the red half of North London? Uh, first of all, Wes, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, in terms of my association with Arsenal, I've been an Arsenal fan since I believe 2005. 2005. 2005. So we're looking at around, what, 15 years now? Yeah, 15 years, yeah. Nice, nice. So what was that first game that you went to? Talk me through it. Was it at Highbury um, or the, was it at the, at the Emirates? And, no, what were your um, memory, and what were your memories from that day? Um, to be fair, like, so growing up, uh, living in, like, a working class, living with a working class family, it was kind of difficult to attend Arsenal games. So growing up, I watched a lot of Arsenal's games on TV. And if I could find any streams, I could find any streams. But my, I remember my first ever game, believe it or not, was very late in the year 2014. And that was an Emirates Cup pre-season game. Um, and it was the season that we had signed Alexis Sanchez. Um, so that was the first time I got to see a superstar live on stage. I mean, live in, on, 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 on the pitch. And I remember feeling like a buzz because it was my first ever game. Obviously, I wish I could have went to Highbury, but it was still exciting being able to just go watch the Arsenal play. So it was a game against uh, Benfica. And would you believe it or not, it was the game that you would never, ever, ever see again or hear again was Yaya Sonogo scoring four goals. Four goals, would you believe it, Wes? Four. So it was an amazing experience. And like I said, I got to see a superstar play. And just the atmosphere, obviously, back then, and just seeing it, the, the build-up to a game and how Arsenal presents itself, which I thought was class, it was really exciting. And I'll, never, I'll definitely never forget that game. And I, I remember going with my dad and my brothers. So that was a nice experience to share with them, too. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't think many people would odds um, Yaya Sonogo scoring a goal, let alone four. I don't think he bagged <laughs> in, in, his, in his time. Um, you obviously mentioned there you went to that particular game with your dad and your brothers. When you do go, um, Nelson, to, to games, is it a family affair? Do you go on your own or is it, you know, just maybe you or your dad or you and your brothers? What's it like when you go to a game? So, yeah, um, the majority of times that I've been, it has been with my brothers and my dad. My dad is also an Arsenal fan too. So it was nice to, he's obviously an old man. So I thought, uh, I told him like, come on, dad, come along. Because it would be really good for him to kind of experience the, the, the atmosphere there is in the stadium. Me and my brothers um, were about two years apart. So we've been Arsenal fans uh, since we were young boys. So, yeah, it was cool. So I mean, the majority of the time it's been my brothers but I have gone to the odd occasion home game uh by myself so yeah it kind of varies to be fair if there's tickets available for all of us to go then we can go but if not then uh, it will just be myself and my brother yeah 
Nice, nice. Um, I can sort of envisage like a family affair kind of thing and, you know, making a bit of a day of it, um, like you say, with your brothers and, and your dad and, and whatnot. Um, when you do go, Nelson, are there any um, rituals or, or superstitions that you that you that you do or or is it literally just going to the game and then coming home? Um, on the day of the game, well, the day before the game, I know for sure that it would just be a simple prayer. I pray to God and then the day of the game, I'd wake up again and pray to God. And then before the match, I just look up to the heavens and just hope that he's answered my prayers, obviously, and then the game begins. So that would be like a ritual that I would normally do um, in general, like if I would go, yeah, to attend the game. Nothing, I have no, I have no crazy like superstitions or anything about that. No, like, no lucky yeah. pants, no lucky socks, no lucky shirts, no nothing no, like that. I mean, of course, during any game, I'd, I'd go and I'd, I'd wear the shirt for sure. I'd definitely want to represent or wear the colours of red. But in terms of just like crazy superstitions, no, there's no sort of socks. Yeah, no sort of like lucky black anything. Yeah, it's just mainly just the prayer and just hope that he's answered, that God has answered those prayers. Yeah, I think God might have been missing, uh, and especially in recent times with Arsenal, obviously the <laughs> been on a bit of a decline of, of late. So, yeah, you might want to start going again and, and start praying to God a bit more. Yeah, no, no, definitely, yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, what would you say then, Nelson, is probably the best game that you've been to or I might change this or what that you've witnessed because obviously I'd like to say you know that you don't particularly go as often as as you would like um yeah yeah you mentioned there obviously that you you watch game you've watched games a lot on on tv and stuff like that so what would you say is the best one that you've you've witnessed I'm going to go with yeah so um in terms of witnessed I've witnessed uh, a lot growing up um I think the first game that I'd say that I, the best game that I've witnessed was the 2-1 win against Barcelona in 2011. It was the Champions League first leg. Um, and watching that game live, we, me and my brothers, we all made sure that we'd switch it on ITV, not, uh, 7.30, and program started. And we were just like, we were all sweating and just, oh, I'll never forget that day and just watching the game and the squad that we had, we knew we were capable definitely of beating Barcelona with the squad and the attack that we had um, with the likes of obviously Fabregas, Nasri, Walcott, Van Persie, um, Nicholas Bentner, would you believe? And obviously Andre Arshavin. Um, and just watching that game was a nail bite and obviously seeing the best player in the world play. Like, obviously I can't imagine what those people at the stadium went through who were there, like live themselves and seeing the best player gracefully like just move with the ball because he was something else absolutely something else and every time he had the ball in possession as well as you know the likes of Iniesta and Xavi you just thought wow these lot are ridiculously good um but I'll never forget the cheers and the celebrations that we did when uh Arshavin scored the winning goal um and just you know I'm a big fan on commentary and I always feel like there's certain commentaries like certain commentators that really understand the night or the 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 the, the game the, the the importance of the game significance so hearing Clive Tilsley on that day I'll never forget and I still like go back on YouTube and just watch the game over and over and obviously there was a special young boy in midfield at the time who was growing up in the Arsenal Academy the name of Jack Walsh played an absolutely amazing game and I think to this day Arsenal fans will continue to 
laud his performance that he did against the best in the world. So that was the best game that I've witnessed in terms of going through emotion, quality of the game. Just, yeah, every, yeah, that's the best. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that particular game as well. And it was like, you know, you're talking about a Barcelona side that had, you know, Valdez in goal, Puyol, yep. PK, Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta as a midfield three. And then, you know, the main man, Messi up top. And I think David Villa was in that side. Pedro yep. was playing. So this was a yep. te- this was a Barcelona team that was really at its, its peakest, if you like. Definitely. Um, yeah. And yeah, I remember watching that game, and and it was just it was just ridiculous. And obviously, you mentioned there watching Messi play, and it, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to watch him play and pretty much tear Tottenham apart at Wembley um, last season in the Champions League, and found myself watching Messi as opposed to watching the game, which is a very very rare thing. Um, right. And it's like you just you just ended up watching him, and I've come out of that game with with my dad, and I was just there like what have I just witnessed? And I, I, the result was secondary and it's never usually secondary. I was just there like, what have I just witnessed? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because he was he was that good and I've never realised yeah. you could be that good um, and get away with being more, danger, more, more dangerous to a team and an opposition when you haven't got the ball. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's what probably sets Messi apart for me, from Ronaldo, because I've seen them both. I saw them both in the space of a year, and one delivered and one was underwhelming. Really, I, I don't know if the results match Matt, that yeah, feeling yeah. because obviously Tottenham had lost to Barcelona and, and beaten Real Madrid. But yeah, it, it was just an honor. It was just an honor and a pleasure to watch to be able to watch Messi and say that you've watched Lionel Messi live. I just and and whatnot. Um, and obviously, with that, you've mentioned that is probably the best one that you've witnessed. Um, what is one of the worst games that you've you've witnessed as a as a gooner? Oh, no doubt. Um, two get two games come to mind. I'm going to put two in there because I just the, the the feeling of both those games were oh. okay. First game <laughs> was the 2000, uh, 2006 Champions League final against Barcelona. That was this. That was heartbreaking. That was like my first. Like I said, I started supporting the club in 2005. That was my first year, you know, really investing, you know, committing to you know supporting the red. So that season was a very underwhelming season. We didn't finish. I think we finished in the top four places, I believe. But that run to the Champions League final was amazing, beating the likes of Juventus on the way, and obviously that that really nail-biting semi-final with Villarreal and Lehman making that save in the second leg. And then we reached the final and we thought, you know what, we've really got a chance. Like, this is former invincible squad. We've actually got a chance. And when you've got somebody like Thierry Henry in your squad, then you've always got a chance. That was my belief. And obviously, they had the best player in the world at the time, who was one of my favourite players of all time, Ronaldinho. And that was the only person that I was really afraid of, as well as uh, the likes of Samuel Eto'o and you also got Puyol on defence. So that game, watching that game live as well. And then the game started in the worst way possible with Lehman getting sent off. And I just thought, oh, like it, it, I, I just really didn't like that was the first time I've ever seen an Arsenal player get sent off. But the fact that it was in a significant game such as the final, I couldn't, com- it just was really difficult to comprehend. I was like, how does this game continue? Like, you may as well just give the trophy to Barca. And then, would you believe that Sol Campbell scores to make it 1-0? I'm like, wow, we've really got a chance here. Like, 
I remember just screaming the place. I was like, yeah. And then. Sorry, sorry, uh, Nelson. Who scored? Who scored? I don't, I don't recognise yeah, the name. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a certain. Uh, I think he goes by the name of Judas. A certain. Oh, okay, okay. The Judas. Yeah, I know who you yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> he, he was the one that bagged the goal, and I thought we really had a chance here. And like, if you look back at the game, we actually had more of. We had better chances, and we actually had the most like close chances and like I said you always have a chance when you've got Thierry Henry in the squad and I think he played one of the games of his life but there was a chance that I'll never forget where he went through on goal and I thought this is him like opens his body out does his usual but he missed and I thought wow is that really going to cost us and then let you know last 15 minutes they bagged two and they won the, 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 the trophy and obviously to this day it hurts it really hurts um, so that was one game the second game that really, really hurt was the Carling Cup final against Birmingham City. Now, on paper, we should have won that game. But I think the, the reason why football is a beautiful game is that anything can happen. And credit to Birmingham City, because I'm one of, I think, a few Arsenal fans who actually give them credit. They stuck to it, stuck to their plan um, and kept on fighting. And Obviously, we, we, we made the mistake that helped them score with Koscielny and uh, Chesney, but um, that game was was I think that hurt because, like I said, that was also the same season we beat Barcelona that I talked about the best game that I witnessed, and it seemed as though we were going on the up with the squad that we had, with the likes of Samir Nasri coming up, dazzling through defenses, uh, Fabregas leading the squad as captain, the youngest Arsenal captain. You got Van Persie, striker at the time, Walcott. Everyone was coming into their own. Alex Song. Match, uh, we just had the squad, I think, and we were pushing on for the title as well. But after we lost that game, the season derailed. Everything declined. We got knocked out of the Champions League, got knocked out of the effort. Everything just went to shambles. So I think that was a real turning point. And obviously, the season after that, in that summer, Fabregas left, went to Barca. So I feel like if we had won that cup, a lot of things would have changed. We still would have had the core squad that we had back then now. And I think fortunes would have been yeah better so those were the the two games that in terms of my arsenal experience were the worst yeah those two yeah i think i remember watching both and um yeah first to say there was a massive massive cheer in the in my household when not only henrik larsson scored um to give barcelona the champions league but an even bigger one you would probably say when Obafemi Martins put that one in, I think it was probably more on the Obafemi Martins one because we couldn't believe the mistake that had happened between the Arsenal back line, and it was just like, oh my, oh my God, like what's happened here? Like, oh my word, what what has happened? Um, and it was almost that feeling for me. It was like, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are Arsenal fans, and it was like, what you couldn't beat Birmingham in a cup final, right? And I actually think Birmingham went down that season as well. Um, they did, they did, yeah, they did. So, yeah, because I remember, if I remember right, Pavlichenko sent them down and he has hit one of the most outrageous strikes that you've that you've probably seen, that you've ever seen, um, to, to send them down. Um, and, yeah, so I remember that, those two games especially, um, probably for better reasons um, than, than Arsenal <laughs> fans, um, for sure. Um who then, Nelson, obviously, this will be quite an interesting one for you because of the timing in which you started following Arsenal. But 
I have a feeling I know the answer for this one, but I'm hoping maybe for a slight surprise. Who would you say your favourite player of all time is for Arsenal and why? There is no doubt that the yeah this 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 is a I don't I don't have to think twice about this um, because he was the reason why like he's my hero like he was one of the reasons why I started playing football I tried to model my game around him um, and his evolution to superstar striker and obviously he has he he's Arsenal's record all time goal scorer and that is obviously Thierry Henry um, I'm I speak French as well so there was also that relatability. Um, towards him too um, so it just felt like he was another one of like an extended family member so it was really nice to be able to see his elegance and the way he played for the badge people forget that he actually played for the badge it wasn't you know his individual brilliance like he actually put the team first to this day nobody has beaten his assist records of 20 assists I think he was the only player that season. He's the only player ever in history of the Premier League to have 20 goals and 20 plus assists. So it just shows how he really put the team first. And we all know about his instinctive finishing, um, his outrageous pace. Obviously, he began as a winger. Wenger brought him, managed him at Monaco first. Like everything Thierry Henry, I have seen like his Vava Vum adverts, Renault, everything you want to know. Like he was. For me, the greatest, um, and still is to this day. Nobody, no current player, has ever matched his sort of contribution to the club, um, in my opinion. But obviously, Arsenal fans will make the argument that the likes of Tony Adams, Patrick Vieira, Dennis Bergkamp, Ian Wright as well, righty. So they could argue that those are his favourite players. But for me personally, I'm just gonna have to go Thierry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think too. I had a, I had a, I had a feeling that that the great man was gonna be was gonna be uh, was gonna be said there, and I don't yeah. think there's gonna be too many too too many Arsenal fans that are gonna disagree with you um, about that. Um, and obviously, he does have a famous statue outside the Emirates. He does um, of of a goal of a goal whereby he's run half the length of the pitch on Derby Day. Still gets yep. me to this day because I still. Yep still think that someone should have brought him down on the halfway line. They should have. They should have. Tactical foul. But he just... Jamie... I remember that goal. Jamie Redknapp could not keep up. And, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how Tottenham fans personally feel about the celebrate. Like, cause it was... It gives me shades of... I think that's where Adebayor got his idea for his celebration against us when he played for City. When he ran the full length of the pitch to just slide in front of the Tottenham fans. But who knows? Like... I mean that game, yeah. The statue is, yeah. He he deserved it, and I, I, he you could tell um, his connection to the club is genuine, is proper genuine. Because um, I, I remember the speech he did when they unveiled the statue to him, and he started tearing down. And um, you could just tell, yeah, the club means a lot to him. And then we we forget that he actually came back for a second stint at the club and scored on his debut, like his second debut for the club. And no one will ever forget that goal either. And his last game for the club as well. Like, oh my gosh. Like, uh, the great man, like you said, um, against Sunderland. Uh, that winner against Sunderland. So, no, he, he's he's done some extraordinary things. Um, and, yeah, for me, yeah, the greatest. The greatest. So, just quickly on that point, you mentioned, obviously, him scoring the goal against Leeds in the FA Cup. What was your 
feeling when that was about to happen and when it did happen? Like, obviously, everyone said that, oh, it's a story written in the stars. Like, everyone just thought that it's going to happen. Like, but I just thought, you know what, let's just focus. Let's forget about, no offence to him at the, at the time when he came back to the club. He wasn't his, you know, he was way past his peak. Had finished um, his kind of career, with, in a sense, with uh, New York Red Bulls. And then came back, um, and I think many fans were still were dreaming of his like electric years, his electrifying years, as Martin Taylor, Martin Tyler would say, um, electrifying. But um, no, he was obviously way past it. But you could like, he for me is like fine wine in a sense that he still gets better with age in terms of uh, psychologically. So he still understands the game, still understands all the tactics. And that would definitely uh, be a, a plus in the game because obviously he would be able to figure out his positioning. His positioning was one of the best up when he was up top. So that just before when I think Alex Song had the ball, found him in an open... I don't know how Alex Song found him, but people forget like the first touch that, that Thierry produced to then open up his body and then do his trademark kind of in-swinger around the goalkeeper far post. Like when you saw the ball rolling, you just thought it can't be, and then it happened. And then, yeah, I was one of probably millions of Arsenal fans worldwide that went hysterical. I mean, went crazy when he scored. So, yeah, um, it was definitely a beautiful homecoming, and I know he will never forget it. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the greatest, the great man. Yeah. Um. So from legendary status to somebody or a player that you feel may get there who would you say is your current favorite Arsenal player and why I know this one might be a bit tricky oh this is a good question because I will start off with my former current player because this was somebody a former favorite player because this was somebody that actually no I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with him I'm gonna stick with him my favorite player um again is a bit similar to Thierry Henry, but my favourite player is Lacazette. Um, many Arsenal fans hearing this might be like, what's he talking about, especially with what he's produced this season? But he had a reputable like, goal-scoring record in France, and people can say, yeah, Farmers League, quality of the game, speed, intensity, is not as good as the Premier League, which is true, but to be able to still produce the number of goals that he did, and the amount of players that come from League uh, and actually come to the Premier League, they actually do pretty well. Um, the likes of Martial still doing well. Um, obviously, Thierry is an example. Uh, French players actually do have easier time, like Drogba as well as, as another example who came from the league um, and found it quite easy to adapt to the league. Um, yeah, he's done pretty well. So Lacazette is my favourite player, not just because of his goal-scoring instincts, but um, his ability to bring his other teammates into play. Um, I think that's what makes him so unique. Yes, people will point to Aubameyang's goal-scoring record and the fact that um, because if, if without his goals, we'd probably be in a relegation battle right now this season at Arsenal. Um, but like I said, I think brings everything together. Um, I think this season, unfortunately, he's, he hasn't gone past his ankle injury, which he suffered earlier. The season that was, I think, after the top, that amazing North London derby, which was 2-2. I think you remember as well, like earlier this season. Um, he scored that game, but I think he, he aggravated his ankle injury. So I don't think he's been the same ever since. Because last year under Unai Emery, he was 
outrightly like he was the player of the season. Fans voted him the player of the season. And he obviously took a year to adjust to the season before when he first signed. He scored on his debut straight away against Leicester, that crazy 4-3 game. Instinctive header from a really bad Elneny cross. Like, people forget that was a really bad cross. Um, but he stuck it in, bottom corner. And there's something about him that gives me shades of Ian Wright. Just his movement off the ball. But um, instinctively, like, he's always had it. Um, and I will still stick by him. The, the play that I thought I was going to mention and give up on Lacazette was Nicolas Pepe. But I think over time, Pepe will probably overtake him and probably become my favourite player. But so far right now, I'm going to stick with uh, Alex Lacazette. Yeah. OK. Um, you mentioned Pepe there. What is it about him you feel that would make him not only your favourite player, but potentially a fan's favourite? Well, I think it, it comes down to reproducing the form that he showed the the, the, the you know the season that we uh, we bought him for, which was his Liga season. I think he I can't remember how much he bagged, but he did bag over twenty goals and made over like fifteen assists, I believe. I may be wrong, but he was very productive, which is my point. Um, and he was electrifying in terms of his pace, his dribbling. It's been a while since Arsenal have had a player of his quality that can pick up the ball from the halfway line and just decide, you know what, I'm forget no like forget you guys as my teammates. I'm just gonna go past everybody. And I've been lucky enough to attend more games this year, this season, and have actually seen him live and his dribbling is magical. Like as soon as he has the ball, it's glued to his feet. And he when he starts driving at people, you see everybody start rising to like his just his presence because he brings something, especially when We've played like last year and there's like there's no attacking verve um, and we, we're, we're struggling to create chances. He just picks the ball up and decides, OK, I'm running at you. And that brings people to their feet. And people love that about him. Um, that kind of fearlessness to be like, yeah, I trust my ability to go past one or two. Um, but I think for him to become a legend or a fan favourite at the club, it needs it needs to be consistently performing um at a high level and reproducing that form that he did at Ligue 1 where we know he can be productive and score potentially 20 plus goals like Raheem Sterling's doing now with Pep uh, and produce like, you know, your 15 plus assists um, as well. So I think that that would be something that I think, unfortunately, fans will judge him on, which is his contribute goal contributions. Um, but he can put in a defensive shift too um, and he can create chances as well. So I think that would be something that, yeah, people... That's how I think personally. That's how we uh, see him as see see him and how we uh, judge him on. So uh, hopefully he can do that. We'll, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, really good insight there, Nelson. Because I think Pepe's coming for quite a lot of criticism. Um, you know, coming from uh, Lille, massive, massive transfer fee. Obviously, Arsenal's record signing off the back of it as well. Yeah. Um, and you know, like you say, I guess time will tell if he. Um, if and when he does, you know, finally produce the the goods that that made you guys shell out all that all that money on him, um, what would you then, Nelson, say that your most memorable moment? I have a feeling, I know what it's going to be. Unfortunately for me, um, but what would you say your most memorable moment has been, being an Arsenal fan? Um, I definitely want to put all the wins against. You know what. Uh, the most memorable moment, um, like, 
obviously all the games that we beat Tottenham is a memorable moment. But um, I think everyone would say, and I think everyone would agree with me, if they are thinking the same thing, if we're on the same wavelength, I think is we talk about the invincible season and we talk about the fact that we went unbeaten um, and the fact that the way we won the title and where we won it was like, like, yeah, I think, I think you know what I'm talking about. I think the, the game where we secured the league title at Waha Lane was um, probably the most memorable moment. Um, that is me knowing the history of the Arsenal and um, knowing that we did that. Because obviously I told you that I began supporting Arsenal a year after the Invincibles, so 2005. So I wasn't really like, I had known that we had done the Invincibles, but I don't think I was invested as an Arsenal fan then because I was still kind of back and forth with what team I support, like for the, like for my future, basically. Um, but when I'm looking back at the history of the club and the greatness that we've had, at our club, um, I would say, into, historically, I would say um, that Invincible season. However, knowing that I supported them after the Invincible season, I will say another memorable moment was actually when we ended our trophy drought in 2014 and won the FA Cup against Hull City. Because that game was actually a, was, was a nail-biter because... We had obviously, like I said, one of our worst games was the game against Birmingham in the Carling Cup final, 2011. Three years later, we have another opportunity now to put that to bed. That's all in the past, and we can actually end the trophy drought. Um, and I remember the day before I had school, and everyone was coming up to me, and I remember I had a, I told one of my best friends at the time because I had broken up. This is, this is, I'm kind of going on a, on a tangent here, but I had broken up with my ex-girlfriend, and I said, okay. Because I've broken up with her, Arsenal are going to win a trophy. That's what I said. And I was—I believed it from the day that we had won the FA Cup final. And then someone came to me the day before the game and said, OK, now, so what's your score? And I said, we're going to win 3-2. I said, we're going to go down 2-0, and then we're going to score three goals somehow and win. That was just my prediction. Whereas I had no idea that this was the emotion, the emotions that day... I was like, why did I actually predict that? Like, I should have just predicted, like, a comprehensive, like, 4-1 victory or something. But I decided to go for the craziest comeback of all comebacks. And, yeah, just watching us go down 2-0 against uh, Hull City. And then Santi Cazorla scoring an important goal before half time. I thought, yeah, this, this comeback is definitely on. And I, I knew that we'd get there. Um, I think Aaron Ramsey scored the winner that game. That was his best season in terms of personal contributions as well um so historically i'd go for the invincibles but me being the fan that i am and since i was an arsenal fan i would go with the uh, also the 2014 fa cup final yeah i'll go with that yeah i had a feeling that um that particular season was gonna was gonna get a mention um because like I say, most of my mates are, are Arsenal fans and they still go on about it now. And I'm like, like, yeah, whatever it's been, it's done. You've done, you've, all right, you've had a few FA Cup wins since, but trophy-wise, you've not really done a lot. So yeah, you can have it, but yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. So as you can, as you can tell, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're gonna go from the most memorable moment and giving you um, some incredible highs. Um, to giving you now and giving you a reminder of some incredible lows um, at Arsenal. But what is what would you say is that the lowest point in supporting Arsenal? It's tough because I don't think 
you can rank them. There's a lot. Like, I think I had mentioned about the Champions League final earlier being the worst game I've witnessed, but also the lowest point in terms of the club and just, like, being so close to European glory, being crowned as the best team in Europe. I think that's. I think there's numerous lowest moments that I could mention. You could talk about losing to Spurs five one in the FA, in the Carling Cup semi final. That's a low. That's a low point. Um, the Birmingham FA Cup final. I mean, the Carling Cup final. Um, the season that we've had before Mikel Arteta like was appointed. That is a, a low point because um, I think people that I be, I think people actually underestimate Arsene Wenger's departure. That's another low point, I think, because he really, like, he was the one that set up the culture here at Arsenal, like, what we are about, the class that he kind of brought along every single day when he was coaching the players with his, like, laissez-faire kind of um, approach to his coaching styles, um, to sorry, to his coaching. Um, so I think that is another low point that people kind of underestimate as well. Um, so I don't think I have a one answer to that. I think there's a lot that we could point out that is a low point. Um, so yeah, I think I could, I could just name so many, but I think I, I'd, I'd leave that to numerous kind of moments. Nice, nice. Um, you mentioned there about Arsene Wenger. Would you say that he, I know he's been there a long, long time and was probably there for the majority of your time. So is he probably the best manager then that you've had? Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely the best manager um, that I've seen at the club. Um, and we've had some great managers in our past. But for me, he was he was number one. Um, like I said, what he brought in terms of his revolutionary ideas, especially because I think, I think the season before he was at Gamba Osaka in Japan, came and saw what was over there in Japan and brought his revolutionary uh, I can't even say the word revolutionary ideas over at the club uh, and you could tell that the players with their stubbornness were very reluctant to um, follow his kind of methods and the way he wanted to go about coaching and you know how he thought you know the team would be successful but they get they gave in listened and obviously right Ian Wright is one of the players who still talks about to his day in terms of Wenger's ideas coming to fruition and the, the, the nutrition uh, that the players also got within uh, their personal performance. Like it was all, yeah, I think that's why, that's what makes Wenger probably uh, the greatest manager. I believe that Arsenal's ever had. Uh, he's obviously the most successful of all time, but in terms of also, I think for me, I don't measure greatness just in terms of the performance. So we can talk about the titles that he's won, him being, uh, the manager of the most FA Cup wins, all of that, all of that, the teams that he's produced. But I think people need to also remember uh, the impact that he's had on the game of football, the, the the style of play that we had as well. Just that free-flowing football is something that people will always associate with him. Um, like I said, his laissez-faire approach in, with his coaching, allowing the players to kind of figure it, figure it, figure it out themselves, I think is another unique kind of coaching style because many times players do look to managers for approval or sort of like guidance um, but he sort of you know let the players do their thing and that obviously helped players evolve and obviously we've had some of the best players ever at this club uh, during his era um, 
So I think he also had an impact as well in terms of the community. Um, yeah, so on off the pitch as well, he definitely was a legend. So I think that's why I'd go for Wenger as the uh, greatest manager of all time. Yeah, out, I don't... Out Arsenal, just to be precise, yeah. out Arsenal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think anybody really, especially current, more current Arsenal fans are going to are going to really disagree. I don't think they've got much in terms of choice, however, but I think your reasoning and your rationale as to behind why I think is is up is probably can resonate with with the majority of Arsenal fans. Um but then as we know Wenger could be quite frustrating at times um as a manager. So with that, did you feel that he was also potentially the worst that you've seen at Arsenal for those those frustrations especially in the transfer market especially of course I, I, I like that you brought, brought up that question because like I said we could always now that he's retired now that he's no longer at the club we can always remember his high points but I think it's very important that you know every manager comes with their stubbornness and comes with their reluctance to spend um, and he was definitely like we're talking a class of his own when it came to stubbornness and reluctance to just dip into the transfer market. I never got it. I never understood. But then I realised that um, growing up, and when I did more research about him, I realised that he had an economics degree. And like knowing that he had that, I felt, OK, it made sense why he was always interested in making more money at the club, especially, like, I think what we don't give him credit for is how he handled the transition from Highbury to the Emirates. And I think that's probably where his degree came in place in terms of his knowledge of how to help the club be quite stable during those years. And obviously, he couldn't really dip into the transfer market. But when we had the money, I was so frustrated why he didn't go in for certain signings. Like, uh, I think every fan, doesn't matter if you're Arsenal or not an Arsenal, uh, whether you're Arsenal or not an Arsenal supporter, like, if you, you could make a whole 18-man squad of the players that Arsenal were linked to during Wenger's era. We're talking Ronaldo, Messi, Di Maria, um, Yaya Torre. Um, oh, there's so much like I could put on that list. Um, and that, 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 that squad is enough to win you, what, back-to-back Premier League titles. We're talking Champions Leagues. So, yeah, he was very annoying in the sense that um, he was stubborn because... I said I mentioned about his coaching styles and uh, how it was revolutionary, but it comes to a point where we need to now adapt in life, and I think that was mainly probably one of his weaknesses to be able to adapt to the current settings of the Premier League, especially with the way the game was played. Now there was less focus on um, kind of possession-based football, I think, especially in his latter years at the club, and it was more on like buying players that had a lot more athleticism and yeah it was all called sort of a physical kind of thing uh with players it was less about the the intangibles and more about like just having it there and then Wenger was definitely patient and I think that's something that we can give him credit for but it's um I think that led to more stubbornness um during his time at the club I think personally he should have left the year that we had won we ended the trophy drought in 2014 I think that was the perfect send-off for him he had won a trophy, and I thought, what, what other better way than to leave than on a high? Because um, then I thought, at that time, we would have gotten a, a great manager in his prime. I always wanted Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, Liverpool are now reaping the rewards of that. Um, or Diego Simeone, who is Atletico and won the La Liga 
trophy with them in 2015. So, um, yeah, he's had some bad moments for sure. And that's all I can remember during my time at Arsenal. But um, um, I think his his highs definitely, um, what's it called, um, outweigh the, the lows. Yeah. And what was it like for you being an Arsenal fan under, under Unai Emery? Um, was it frustrating? Was it good? Was it a case of just getting out? What was it like for you as an Arsenal fan under, under Unai Emery? I think with what Unai Emery did, like you can argue, yes, he is probably the worst manager we've had. Um, but at the same time, like I don't know. He was given a three-year contract. He obviously didn't um, go out, play out until the end of it. Um, the first season, I believe we definitely overachieved, um, especially in the sense that um, we went to the Europa League final. Um, I didn't think we'd get there. I thought it would be better to focus on the league um, and to get top four through the league first. Um, I think when he initially came, I think it was great. I think the players also felt they were definitely refreshed, having new ideas, um, from the manager and bringing his kind of coaching uh, team as well um, to the club. Uh, he definitely had some ideas, but I just think, I definitely think the language bar was a, probably one of his biggest, was a contributing factor to why he was never successful at the club. Because you hear in interviews and you hear in um, articles and you read that players still were struggling to understand him. Uh, that there had to be some sort of like you could say intermediary in the middle that like had to liaise with both the players and the manager. Like Freddie Freddie Jumberg, who obviously took over as interim after Unai left, um, was that guy at times. Like you, there was an article that Saka said that you know who's doing great this season, um, uh, that he had to get Freddie to kind of like assure him, okay, this is what has been told to you to do because like the language barrier was was an issue and players also took the mick out of um, um, the way he sort of coached and the way he spoke. Like, good evening. We all know about his famous good evening, like, and his good morning sort of stuff. Um, and that's been made into, made into memes. So uh, I think it was quite unfortunate in terms of circumstances with Unai at the club. Um, I think if he had the squad that he wanted, for sure, we definitely would have performed better. But he had to come in and deal with what we had. And I think at the time, the club also wanted a manager who could kind of deal with budget restrictions because I don't think we had the funds to dip into the market like he would have wanted. Um, every manager dreams of having the, 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 the board of someone like City who can spend millions of dollars or like an Abramovich. But we still had to kind of be restricted to what we could get um but he did okay at his first season um he did okay but second season i think again he didn't adapt he definitely did not improve or for me it felt like there was no commitment to make the club better in terms of like making sure that the issue of the language barrier had disappeared because it was still there it was still prominent um at the club so i think that um yeah, I think that uh, it was a struggle with, with Unai at the club and fans definitely got impatient because um, they wanted instant gratification. They wanted success right there and then, I think, as well. But at the same time, you have to... I think another factor to uh, a manager leaving the club is also the players. 
the players definitely cannot be proud of the performances that they put in, regardless of whoever the manager is. Like you as players should just play for the badge. And I think they were also a factor to why Unai left. I think in the last few games before he departed, like you could tell the atmosphere within the, de- the dressing room was definitely sort of let's not play to our best. So Unai can definitely go and we'll just start again from there, which is very disappointing as any especially for any aspiring young football player, like you should always give 100%, in my opinion. No matter who your manager is, always give your all because the fans are the ones who pay your wages, all of that. Like They, they help the club survive. So um, it, it's kind of disappointing that the, that player power is, is there in, in a sense. Um, but no, uh, um, I wish Unai all the best, obviously, with his future endeavours. And yeah, hopefully he doesn't come back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like a media person then when uh, you know they put out the club statement when the manager gets sacked. You know, we'd like to thank yeah Unai and his backroom staff for all their hard work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, excellent. I think excellent. Um, and I, I think a calm, um, if you like, summary of of Unai Emery's time at Arsenal. If anybody, um has seen our Save Our Season um, edition, you will know that Connor completely loses his head um, with Unai Emery and goes into a 17-minute rant on, on Unai Emery. <laughs> um, so, yeah. no, that was that was a bit more calm and a bit more measured. Um, so, with that then, Nels, obviously you've mentioned that you didn't get to go to Highbury, but you've been to the Emirates, um, what would you say is your favourite ground apart from uh, the Emirates that you've that you've been to and that you've come across? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I've come across numerous over my time. Um, well, that's a really good question. I've been to a few, actually. Um, in terms of domestic, so domestically, in terms of clubs that I've been to um, I think the Etihad Stadium probably is my number one yeah the Etihad Stadium I've been outside Spurs' ground the new ground and it looks it actually looks really nice um, in terms of aesthetically and what you guys have definitely like put into making sure that the club in terms of in this, in this modern day era like make sure that Tottenham is stable and especially what you can offer in the stadium, especially with your partnership with the NFL. I think that's great, um, especially to bring that over and to have that kind of partnership. That's one of a kind. Um, I think you, you guys are the first. Yeah, you guys are the first to, to have done that and to have that kind of partnership. Uh, but the Etihad for me was uh, probably the best that I've, uh, I've, I've been to. I've, been, I've seen Old Trafford. I've seen the likes of Stamford. I've been to Stamford Bridge. Um, Anfield I've been to Goodison Park I've been to many but Etihad stands out I think because I, I had I was lucky enough during my time at university to work at the stadium um, so I definitely got an insight to how the club was run and I think just like um, how Spurs did with building their new stadium I think the way City was run um, especially since um, Sheikh Mansour's come to the club in, in 2008 um, you could tell that he really invested in trying to make sure that you know City was one of the, the top clubs in the in the world, for let, let, let alone the, uh, domestically. Um, so the way the club was run and seeing how everything was 
um, kind of like planned in terms of match days and just like the overall structure at the club and the stadium. Um, the stadium is beautiful. The, the, their pitch was one of the best pitches I've seen. Um, and obviously, in terms of what the, the stadium holds and um, just kind of the facilities that's available there, I think, for me personally, I'd have to say the the Etihad Stadium, yeah. That's domestically. Now, I've been to some internationally, um, and I think my favourite one internationally has to be... Uh, let me think. Um, I'll probably say Stade de France. I was lucky enough to go to Stade de France whilst I was in France on a family trip. And that was, uh, I think, just could maybe probably because of pure numbers and how much more capacity it has than uh, um, the likes of the Etihad and Emirates. Yeah. And obviously just being able to witness French atmosphere was amazing. French atmosphere is like, you could argue it's better than what we've got on right now here. Um, in England, but Stade de France was one of the best stadiums I had been to, yeah, just because of the atmosphere let alone, yeah, so I'd probably put them too, so domestically Etihad and internationally I'll put um, Stade de France I think they are two um, fantastic arenas if you like, I wouldn't really class them as a stadium, I'd probably go as far as to say they are arenas Um, obviously Obviously, the Etihad has hosted, um, you know, concerts and everything else like that. I believe Stade course, de France yeah. hosted other um, sporting events like rugby events, and, yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, I'd probably say two good arenas um, there for sure. Um, from your favourite then to your least favourite, where you've probably looked at or you've been to a ground and you go, what a place this is. I can't wait to get out. Um, that might be because your team's lost or the ground just isn't isn't that great what would you what would you go for hmm, i don't know because uh again that's a good question um because i think in terms of standard most of the the the, the clubs that i've been to have been of a high standard in terms of premier league pitches premier league grounds i think they're all I think they've, I can't, honestly, I, I don't think I have an answer for that um, because I'm a person who's quite, I'm quite open-minded. So I've never really approached the stadium to, I obviously understand like, okay, if I compare it to the Arsenal's Emirates Stadium, I understand, let's say if we go to a game against Bournemouth, I understand that their stadium isn't going to be as well-class as ours. But at the same time, within their kind of, in what in, in their with their standards and what they can offer, what their strengths are, they still have a, a beautiful stadium. So I, I've never had that kind of perspective and thought, you know, um, yeah, this is this is definitely a, a bad place to be. Or um, even if we've lost, I've never kind of um, had that um, kind of mindset. I've always appreciated going to other stadiums. I think it's just another one to check off the. the been uh, gone to stadium uh, stadium list because uh, I try and appreciate kind of every kind of stadium they all have their own sort of culture so um, I, I think my answer to that question is I don't have a, a worse stadium that I've been to I don't yeah no that's interesting that I think um, obviously there's you know when I've interviewed people um, on this previously they've they've been able to say one ground for one reason or another but I think it's quite interesting and quite refreshing that you say there that you're open-minded when going to a ground and actually you take into account the club's resources 
um, and what they can offer. I think a lot of people, as fans, we go and we're like, God, what a place this is. And I think subconsciously we do compare it to the club that we support. Um, you know, I'm quite fortunate to to go and watch Tottenham and the stadium there is, you know, you've, you've, you said you've looked around it outside of it and it's just, it's just an amazing stadium. But then I, I've been to other grounds and I'm like, what a place this is. I can't wait to get out. Um, but like I say, half the time we've probably lost, um, especially away ground since I've started going to away games because um, we've not been great yeah. on the road. Um, but no, for sure. Um, yeah, like I say, it's it's quite interesting that you make that point that you're actually quite open-minded um, about a club's resources. Um, final one for me then, Nelson, on, on this. Um, what would you say your hopes are for next season? Obviously, Mikel is in charge. Um, now um so what are your what are you hoping for from not only him but the players um next season well i'll begin with mikel first because he's been very refreshing since he's joined the club and i initially wanted him to be appointed i wanted us to take the risk and get him um barca did the same when they recruited pep and he revolutionized the game with his tiki taka um so I thought, why not go for Arteta? I get it. No experience, has no kind of credibility. Um, so it's kind of, I think right now, I think most most people kind of look for experience. So I think we were linked with Allegri, um, Ancelotti, uh, I think Simeone briefly, but not as strong as Allegri and the others. So when obviously Unai left, um, I could only see one winner. And I, I wanted Mikel, and I'm, I'm glad we got our guy because... He's fresh. Um, he's a young manager. He gives me he gives me a vibe of Julian Nagelsmann uh, at Hoff, uh, Schalke, I believe. I think he's at Schalke. Yeah, Schalke. Um, he's, at, um, he's at Leipzig sorry. at the moment, at Leipzig, for me. <laughs> My bad. Leipzig, yeah, that's the one. So Nagelsmann, when he initially was at um, Hoffenheim, was revolutionary in terms of like what he brought to the squad. So I think that sort of young energy is great for the for the players. And I think... Having been, you could say, an understudy to Pep, but also an apprentice and learning the ways in which um, I think I think the greatest skill that Arteta learned being with Pep was his man management skills and how to improve on that. I think I think that like, that you could argue that was probably one of Wenger's um, I wouldn't say greatest, no weakest kind of uh, attributes, but you didn't see much man management with him, but. Arteta, you could tell, um, has great man management skills. Being a, play- a personal player himself and having played the game of football as well, being a professional player at the highest level, he, he did have um, some successful years with Arsenal as well as uh, Everton. So I think with him, being able to relate to the player on a personal level, we've had obviously people, a number of high-profile players such as Mares. Raheem Sterling, who have said that Arteta and Sane, who have been, who have kind of pointed out that Arteta has been a big reason why they've elevated their game to a higher level. Um, so I think, in terms of him, I think to, he should stick to what he knows, and I think he's smart enough to know when to dip into the market to get a player. Um, so I think now, with what's going on with the pandemic, I think this is an opportunity for him to kind of sit down with his squad, with his coaching team call them up and be like, okay, what can we do for next season? Where can we go? I think he already has a plan set in place. 
and the, the style that he wants to play and also kind of getting the players to understand that this is his philosophy. If you're not with it, you can go and that's it. And I think that's that authority um, is very crucial as well and very pivotal in actually getting the players to understand that you're not in charge here. I uh, I am. So I think I'd, um, and I'm sure the players will come around and kind of get prepared and kind of mentally fit uh, as well. Um, in terms of the players, my hopes for next season is that we're psychologically better. I think that's one thing that um, first, I think that's how it starts in general, like for any football player. If you're psychologically prepared and ready, then there's nothing stopping you because the body just kind of follows. The body only follows what the mind does. So um, I think the players definitely need to psychologically get better. When I think that's what Mikel has brought into the, 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 the squad. Uh, the team is now much more psychologically better in terms of dealing with situations when we're down. Um, we don't lose our heads as much um, than when we were Unai Emery um, and obviously the latter years of Arsene Wenger's era. So in terms of players, I think just better consistent performances everyone committing to the project, to the idea that, okay, this is how we sh- we can move forward. And just being better teammates, I think. I think my hopes are that everyone's better teammates. And um, I hate this sort of thing where it's, it's understandable, you know, you've got players that speak different languages, so they will go off in their groups. But I think the one thing that made City's back-to-back titles so successful was the fact that each player had a relationship with each other. Um, I think Pep, I know Pep during his time, Pep in his time there has kind of, you could say, forced the idea of everyone speaking English and everyone getting used to each other so they can understand, like, what makes this player tick, what makes this player tick. So I think our hopes are, I think my hopes for the players is that we could actually become better teammates and obviously perform better consistently. Um, I think that's one thing that all Arsenal fans want is for us to perform at a consistent level. Um, and to give it all for the badge. I think that's one thing that we feed off. I think any fan, just like yourself, you can say that if you can see the player work for the badge and puts that in first and puts personal egos aside, I think the, the possibilities are endless. So that's sort of my thing to kind of, that's my hope for next season. Obviously for us to finish in the top four, get back to the Champions League. I forgot to mention that. I couldn't leave without saying that. So yeah, I will definitely end it on there and say that yeah those are my hopes for next season brilliant brilliant although just want to pick up on that last point that you mentioned obviously you mentioned playing for the badge I think the last Arsenal player that that said that ended up leaving um and going to to Bordeaux in Lauren Koscielny so maybe not just playing for the badge <laughs> um but no Nelson um thank you ever so much for your time um and this may sound strange, me being from the better side of North London, but it's been a fantastic um, interview um, trying to get and learning about you as a as an Arsenal fan a little bit more. Um, so, guys, that is it from us. Um, don't forget we are on Spotify, so give us a follow on there. Um, this will also be up on YouTube as well. Um, so don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. The name is WM32Football. Nelson, thank you once again your time thank you very much Wes thank you very much thank you for uh, having me not a problem at all not a problem at all